Hello and welcome to Biz Without Frontiers, episode 32. Today I'm joined by Vicky. Hello. And friend of the show, Rob Edwards. Hello. And uh, last but by no means least, Andy Parker from Elusive Brewing. No problem. No problem. Thanks for joining us. Um, right, I think straight into things first, we're, we're going to get into a beer. And the first beer that we've got lined up is uh, Lord Nelson um, 2020. And uh, this is a 6.8% ABV um, farmhouse style. That's what it says on the on the bottle. So it's kind of Saison farmhouse. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely Saison, I would say. But um, yeah, I, I, it's uh, very hoppy. So perhaps not, not traditional in that sense. So kind of hybrid yeah. kind of style. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, get our noses into this and see what we think. Oh yeah, you always you, you definitely get the the Belgian yeast kind of thing yeah. going on there. The slight yeah. funkiness, barnyard kind of. Yeah, it's like it's like you're saying, Andy. It's not a on the nose. It's not overtly saisony in terms of that real proper. What do they call it? The farmyard funk or whatever. But no, I'd, I'd yeah, disagree with you there. Really, it you, smells very saisony to me. <laughs> So we do, uh, it's fermented with um, Belle Saison, uh, so a fairly classic Saison yeast strain. But I think it it kind of, uh, together with the hops, takes the, uh, takes the beer in a different direction slightly. So you get definitely get that black pepper kind of vibe from the, that you'd associate with the Saison yeast. Um, mm, yeah. But then the hops kind of sit underneath it and, and, um, and kind of push that, push that aroma up. Um, so yeah, it's why we kind of don't really call it a Saison on the bottom, mm. uh, it, you know. The, yeah, the grist the, the and the and the yeast is is traditionally saison, but of course the the hops uh, definitely aren't. Yeah, you can sort of see where it's coming from in kind of two worlds meeting, I guess, kind of new world hops and and then sort of the Belgian farmyard aspect of it. Um, and I think that's um, yeah, it's oh, it's uh, six point eight. Yeah, it's um, yeah, that fairly. It's not drinking like a 6.8 though, is it? Do, do you think if you was on the farm, you'd do much work in the afternoon after having a lunchtime one of these? I think irregardless, to be honest, of what I drank, I probably wouldn't do a lot in the afternoon. <laughs> it's always been, I mean, it does ferment out. Uh, the, the, the yeast strain, well, saison yeast are typically quite aggressive and they ferment to a very dry finish. Uh, so most of the sugar is fermented out. And uh, So, yeah, with this one... Um, we use that to our advantage a bit and produce a higher ABV beer um, from a, a you know a smaller mash. So um, it, it does finish quite low, about ten o two for any home brewers that are listening. Uh, so right. very drink. Um, no, that's that's yeah, getting the, the dryness, which obviously is a characteristic of the, the saison anyway, isn't it? As a style, just kind of uh, yeah, it's definitely true to style in that. But just that that kind of punchy with the the Nelson hops, I guess you know you're getting that sort of gooseberry kind of hint of gooseberry white wine, that kind of thing going on there. She's this is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, I was just about to um, ask a. Initially, I thought it was going to be a daft question because I was like, "Where's the name come from?" And then I thought, "No, I bet I know where the name's come from. It'll, it'll have come from the hop." Yeah. So. Um, it, it does come from the hop, and actually, uh, it was originally brewed at Weird Beer. There's a bit of a reference to the uh, to the artist Lord as well, New Zealand artist, um, and uh, a holiday over there uh, many years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, I bought the 
hops for the first batch in New Zealand. Oh, um, wow. Oh, cool. And, back, uh, and that kind of song was the song of the holiday. So pretty interesting there. But it's, um, yeah, obviously the artwork on the label is Lord Admiral Nelson. Um, and uh, it's kind of a, yeah, pixelated uh, Lord Nelson. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess the name's got some some layers to it, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's a Nelson after the hop, of course. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we'll come on to the artwork uh, uh, later. Um, but um, yeah, this this is this is going down quite nicely now. So let's um, quickly just go through uh, beers of the month uh, in case uh, um, hopefully everybody's got something to hand of that's impressed them in last month. Rob, do you want to go first? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so uh, the last sort of um, shipment of beers I got in were from Attic Broco in Sturgeon, Birmingham. And I haven't had too many of them yet, but um, the one that stood out for me is their new Forged Dark Mild. Um, I wish I'd... Oh, I just, I've actually just put my recycling out, so I can't see the <laughs> But I think, I think it's about 4.5%, so like on, on the higher end of most milds, but oh, there's a hell of a lot of flavour in that. Really, really tasty. Really good, so I'd highly recommend that. Yeah, proper West Midlands uh, hotspot for for mild, isn't it? Uh, Black yeah. Country, West Midlands, and that sort of area. And it's uh, good to see um, young new brewers bringing the store back as well, which is yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're big fans of Attic. We interviewed them for I think it's back in February actually, and um, what they were saying as well is that they love doing the more sessionable styles um, because a lot of their trade goes through the the tap room. Um, you know, a lot of their beers are, are sort of uh, consumed by the pint and um, a dark mild. I think, yeah, you you got to do that if you're in Birmingham. You've got to have a mild, haven't you? So, Vicky, what's what's been good for you in the last month? Um... Well, actually, I had it ended up having it last night, so I didn't have to think too hard about my beer of the month. It was um, by a brewery called Boundary, who were from Northern Ireland, and it was called You're Not Getting Any, and it's a 9% imperial oatmeal, oatmeal milk stout with blueberries. As people will know, people who listen to this regularly, I do quite like a bit of an impy stout, but sometimes it can be really they can have that bit of almost too boozy and it's get a bit of alcohol burn and stuff. This, mm. I don't know what it was, whether it was the blueberries or the oatmeal or, or what it was, but it had the alcohol, but it also was like, it was like drinking cream as well. It was just, it, it, um, unfortunately we shared a can, didn't we? Oh yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, it, it was supposed to be one of those. It was like, Oh, let's have a sipping beer while we're watching the telly. <laughs> I wasn't sipping it. It was not. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I totally get. Yeah, what you're saying about the mouthfeel as well. It was like it was as thick as like double cream. It was properly viscous. Um, the one that stood out for me was actually is only a couple of days ago. I had Daya saturated in Simcoe. Um, no, I didn't. I've written this down wrong. Oh, what a newbie! <laughs> uh, it was actually saturated in Nelson that I had. Um, so all the Nelson Sovin. That was an eight percent New England style dipper. Um, so you know citrus rind and grape and all of that kind of stuff and it was just massive absolutely it was a, it was a beer that almost like jumped out of the can flavor wise it was really um classic day really in terms of their soft kind of pillowy mouthfeel kind of beer but you know it, it was potent as well so uh yeah that was uh definitely one of the highlights of the last last month um andy has there been anything you've had that's that stood out in the last month 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would second the suspended in Nelson. I had a can of that uh, the other night and thought it was uh, absolutely delicious. Um, in fact, I, I uh, ordered a, uh, from Dayer on a tip-off of that beer from my friend Emma. And, uh, yeah, I bought six of them. I've given a couple away, but I'm really pleased with myself there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I would um, – the other beer – or two beers I've really enjoyed. One was from Lost and Grounded. They've done a Best Bitter called Autumn Protagonist. Um that is, uh, yeah, it's delicious. Like it's got, uh, uses some special meat. It's got a real kind of raisiny, toasty character mm-hmm. and uh, a kind of nice, nice snappy, hoppy finish to it. Uh, really good. And the second one I had last night, uh, perhaps against my better judgment, um, <laughs> it was a, it was a, a, te- a double, um, double making maple and pecan barrel aged stout, which is a collaboration between vocation and double barrels. Um, Michael Luce from Double Barrel popped into the tap room or the shop, uh, I should say, yesterday and, and brought me a can over. And uh, me and Jane drunk that last night. Absolutely delicious. Um, I don't think it was aged for too long because I remember them brewing it uh, in summer sometime, but um, it had a lovely bourbon character and, and wasn't overly sweet, which these stouts can be. Um, so I wouldn't say it was a pastry stout. Uh, you know, it had some maple and pecan, but the, uh, the, the bourbon was there, just layered and, and really delicious. Oh, that's so. Is that a release of theirs that's um, still current? Because I'm sounding like I want to get hold of that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just uh, it's on the Vocation website. I can see. I guess some other stockists as well, but they, I think yeah. they were only last week. So um, yeah, it's still available. Ah, oh, good mm. stuff. I, I like uh, bourbon aged uh, stuff. And um, Double Barrel are quite close to you, aren't they? Um, yes, they're over in over in Reading, so uh, it's about five miles from us. Um, oh, right. Cool. You get on really well with the, with the guys over there, and mm. uh, yeah, so they've done a pandemic. I mean, they are just turned two, so happy birthday to them! And uh, you know, strange times to, to not be celebra- celebrating a birthday or celebrating it with Zoom, uh, <laughs> yeah, Zoom type things. But um, yeah, they're uh, they've done a fantastic job over there uh, during lockdown, and uh, you know, hopefully they'll be uh, they'll be here at the end of all this and um, can uh, can carry on on that trajectory yeah. there. Really yeah, well. oh, good stuff. Because I, I guess with um, they're only up the road from you. You've got yourself, and you've got Siren just over the way from you. I guess so. Road trip. Like a, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, you knew where I was coming from with that one. Yeah, as soon as things settle down and we can do all that stuff again. Yeah, definitely. We now normally sort of cover our hoppy excursions. But actually, I don't think any of us have been anywhere, have we? Because we can't. So um, the only thing I would say is sort of any shout outs to um, places that might have either bottle shops or um, online retailers that um, you've been getting your beer from. Um, I mean, for us, I've been paying regular visits to Beer Gonzo in Coventry, uh, who've got a great selection of stuff in. And um, and yesterday, uh, we just happened to nip into Cotteridge, Cotteridge Wines, a long-standing uh, Midlands institution, really. And, uh, oh, my God, that was back to being kid in a sweet shop kind of thing. We haven't been there for ages. And I was like, oh, I need that. I want to need this. And, yeah, uh, the basket was filling up rapidly, wasn't yes, it? it was. Um, in fact, it was so busy there that um, I think they got, like, a limit on how many people they're letting into the shop. And there was at least two people stood outside the shop socially distant queuing uh in order for waiting for people to come out so that they could go in so it's pretty pretty busy there yesterday so um shout out to them as well for for delivering uh the goods as ever um i don't know about you rob were you you sort of 
you say you didn't order from attic yeah uh, yeah, so that, that that was the most recent one, and uh, before then, I got some American stuff in from Bear Hop for um, for use in our our um, bear school with, with Nat. Ah, which, I need to place you... an order with them actually because they're yeah. getting is it Odell and Oscar Blues and Sierra Nevada over I, here. I, I don't think they're getting Odell. If they are, why don't I know about this? <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think they're going to get some Dale's Pale Ale soon, so I'm excited to uh, get my hands on that again because that is a cracking beer. But yeah, other other than that, then um, there's New Invention Brewery in Warsaw, then one of the most local breweries to me, so they've been doing free delivery to my address, so that's good. And I popped into Tilt in Birmingham yesterday because they were just they opened up on Friday and Saturday just to um, sell off some some can stock. So I picked up some some uh, goodies from there. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, people sort of transitioning across to to doing takeaway stuff, and uh, I guess obviously places have got um, stock to get rid of, haven't they? So uh, it makes sense mm-hmm. to kind of uh, do that sort of thing as well. So uh, more power to them. Um, okay, so let's go back to the beginning of the story of elusive brewing um <laughs> so andy what's what's your story really to start with actually as as a drinker um what what was the kind of first beer that that made you think this is this is pretty good i need to try more of these um was there a specific kind of moment was was it a lager root or real ale or what was it for you yeah i, I would say definitely um you know the start of my beer journey for like was was real ale drinking um like beers like flowers best bitter flowers are no longer uh trading um london pride uh, and beers yeah. like that and uh i think um I, I moved i lived in the us for a while uh in the late 90s um and uh, i really missed car scale back then and that, that was when i started my home brewing actually i guess we might come on to that but yeah um and uh, I remember drinking uh, uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale actually, and just thinking it was horribly bitter. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I did, uh, I did uh, drink a bit of Ancostine when I was over there, and it was over on the west coast near San Francisco. And um, yeah. yeah, I guess that's that, my first kind of dabble in, in American beer. Uh, but then I think my, my when I started to really get excited about beer was when I came back from the US and um, was working in London, and we used to uh, I used to go with a friend to. Um, Places like the Rake and um, and also uh, some Belgian beer places. And we really got into our Belgian beer, um, mm. and uh, we then we started going to Belgium. Um, uh, me and Jane with him and his wife, and went to some festivals over there. And and that's I guess it was the Belgian beer that really got really lit the fire under me, as it were, and, and yeah. uh, started me down in becoming uh, you know a bit more serious about about learning about beer and, and wanting to try. Uh, um, different styles you obviously discovered then you know the the styles that you liked and 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 obviously intrigued enough to to then start home brewing which as you say then that was when you were in the us you started home brewing yeah because you couldn't get cask beer there yeah yeah we did um i, I was sharing a house with a, a scottish guy jerry and um and uh, he was very much uh, uh we always had beer in the fridge and, and we used to go around our local bar there and we we're usually drinking calls light and but and and you know your macro lagers basically and um, the uh, you know I kind of thought well I'm missing car scale and I I got um, 
I came home for Christmas and picked up a homebrew kit in boots. Um, and it's one of those ones that you, uh, it was like a, a bag and you basically rehydrated some dried malt extract, uh, cooled it, added this hot flavor sachet, <laughs> and, um, pretty basic stuff. And then, and then some yeast and you hung, you hung the bag up. I don't know if you remember these kits, but I remember that I got my dad one of those for Christmas. Yeah. They used to hang them in the airing cupboard. Um, yeah. and, um, we hung this up in our garage and, and, uh, even in, in like January in California, like that, their garage was a steady, you know, 75, 80 degrees with the tumble dry going and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> and we, we invite our friends around, uh, for Super Bowl Sunday, uh, first weekend of February, um, to, uh, to try this and, uh, come and try this, this British beer. And, uh, I remember the bags had a tap on them. Uh, we used to kind of twist the tap around and I remember opening the tap and the thing just shooting out. Uh, <laughs> we eventually got some beer pulled out of it. It was bloody terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it did uh, put me off for a while. So I, I didn't really um, get into homebrewing seriously until much, much later, uh, around about 2012. Um, and uh, yeah, that's when I started all going homebrewing. Right. So you were back over here by then and was was that um kind of malt extract initially or, or straight into full grain yeah straight into full grain um i bought the, the classic kind of cool box mash tun um with, converted to the full spot on the tap um and used to have a, a, a big stock pot that i'd put on our electric hob and have all four rings go in and try and get some sort of board out of it after about two or three hours um <laughs> and uh, yeah I, I mean i launched straight in i mean my first beer first beer that i brewed was a west coast ipa um of which oregon trail is is a derivative i'm going to try that later um and uh my second all grain homebrew was lord nelson um or what was the the start of that recipe so um yeah i guess we kind of kept those things going and it is very much a big part of that story and um even now uh you know i do um engage a lot with the homebrew community we, we like putting our recipes on our website it's something we do during lockdown uh, working with guys like the milk miller um been doing some uh, well, I wrote a book, blimey, uh, and uh, <laughs> and to continue to do some work with camera. We've got some um, educational stuff we're recording soon with the Mort Miller and, and Johnny Garrett um, at their learning and development platform. So, yeah, it's very much a part of our story. Yeah, uh, kind of evident, I guess, with um, the the kind of variety of styles that, that you're doing are kind of, um, it feels that they're kind of more like, well, I guess just the beers that you want to drink, which I, I hear a lot of interviews with brewers who, who are kind of sort of saying, yeah, we just brew the beers we want to drink. Um, but uh, the styles that you're brewing are, uh, some of them are not necessarily the kind of flavor of the month type styles. Um, you know, we'll come on to it later when we talk about pumpkin beers, because um, that's a bit divisive. Um, but, you know, things like a Saison is possibly not a, a kind of a initial go-to in a in a sort of brewery's portfolio, I guess. Um, yeah, certainly not as like a, you know, quite early on beer. And I know that was when you were initially home brewing, but yeah, most, I suppose most new breweries tend to. It's just pales and IPAs, try, isn't it? Pales, IPAs, maybe West Coast, maybe New England, you know, and they kind of start off that route, don't they first? But yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, it's an interesting one. When, when, I, when I first, uh, when we launched Lucid, it was 2016 and I had some time uh, from when I pr- finished my previous job um waiting for leases to be sorted and all that kind of stuff and uh I, you know i started to develop what would become our core cool range um and uh we had to level up our american red 
as part of that as a given. Another part of our story around the craft beer co competition, uh, homebrew competition. Um, but the rest were kind of open, and we and uh, ended up launching with an English pale ale uh, and the smoked ruby mild, which was a stupid mistake. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I guess I, I would say so. Say that now we, we're very much. I mean, we're. I'm obviously much more commercially aware than I was when we started and mm. you need to brew for the market because ultimately it's no good brewing beers that you want to drink and have them sat there as you go out of business. Um, you know, you need to have, have some kind of commercial now and look at what the market's doing. But I guess it's if you do enough of that, you know, it gives you the bit of leeway to brew the things you do want to brew and drink. And, um, you know, these days our core range is, is quite fluid. Uh, in fact, I haven't really brewed, many of our cool beers since lockdown although we do have level up uh, in tank um but um yeah these days we're very much you know it's a mix we're, most of our output is pale ales and ipas uh, but we do do some kind of wackier stuff as well yeah in terms of the the homebrew aspect of it obviously you um was was doing that right up to the point at which you started elusive but um from what i'd heard um previously uh wasn't it that you entered a homebrew competition and that was almost like the gateway through to setting up professionally yeah exactly so the the uh, so i started homebrew in 2012 and this competition was um in 2014 um and it was run by the craft beer co in london uh, you're probably familiar with them if you, yeah they've got a chain of pubs london, haven't they? um, they've got a yeah. chain of pubs in london actually they uh, got one in Brighton, um, Frederfield maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> it's quite. They got five or six pubs anyway. Yeah. Mostly based in London, and they they ran this competition. And uh, at the time, it, it it caused waves in the homebrew community because the prize was beyond anything that had ever been in a homebrew competition on these shores for sure. Uh, it was to have a beer brewed commercially at Dark Star, um, but and also uh, five thousand pounds cash, uh, and. Uh, I was, um, I entered four beers into that. I think there, there was a limit of four. Uh, so I put my four in and, yeah. uh, was, was, uh, yeah, lucky enough to win with, uh, an American red ale and that was brewed at dark star. Uh, it was quite, uh, fun scaling that recipe up in my first, um, <laughs> you know, uh, harsh lesson in, in, in scaling recipes. Um, dark star were great at, at that, um, helping me out with that and they pilot brewed it and so on um and then the five thousand pounds and i remember um the prize giving um was at the craft beer co in islington and um i, I obviously had a few beers that night uh, in celebration and uh went outside my wife jane was on holiday with her mum at the time so i couldn't speak to her but i rang my mum um and uh told her I'd won, I'd won the competition. What competition? The homebrew competition. Well, I didn't know you homebrewed. Um, <laughs> and, and, and she said, well, what have you won? I said, well, I've won 5,000 pounds. And she said, what are you going to do with the money? I said, I'm going to open a brewery. Um, and little did I know how much it would actually cost to open a brewery at that moment. But uh, true to my word, around two years later, we did eventually uh, open Elusive. Um, and kind of before that, before we were open, um, had some elusive beers out through collaborations with um, Weird Beard and Siren. Right, right. Um, so yeah, you'd kind of like um, cuckoo brewed uh, at other locations then in order to uh, get some stuff out then. Yeah. So the the thing is, so obviously that was the springboard to to opening up and going pro. But do you think that would have happened at a later point anyway? Was that the intention anyway? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. I don't suppose I've really sat down and thought about it. I think it, it was definitely uh, 
you know, by that point, it was absolutely my passion. It was my life. Every Sunday was like brewing, 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 yeah. drinking, learning about stuff. Uh, it was an obsession. And then um, it may well have reached that point anyway, but I guess it, it, it gave me a, a not, not an excuse. It, was, it gave me, it was a catalyst and um, gave me some confidence that um, particularly when the Dark Star released that beer commercially, um, that actually, you know, maybe I can do this and maybe people will enjoy uh, the stuff we brew and, and put out. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a confidence thing and maybe accelerated it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Was some um, Dark Star part of Fuller's at that point? Well, they hadn't been taken. No, this, they were independent at that point. I think the acquisition was about two years ago, wasn't it? And this would this would have been uh, twenty fifteen um, when when we brewed that beer. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, so obviously we we know that um, you, you're down in uh, Finchhamstead, isn't it? So that's kind of near yeah. Wokingham, uh, or for people a bit further afield, there's a reference point kind of near Reading. Um, yes. Yeah um so how how is how is the local scene where you are is it kind of cask dominant and was was it kind of when you set up was it difficult to get beer into places because what what was your kind of production what was your packaging was it cask or keg or a mixture of both to start with yeah we've always done a mixture of both uh cask and, and keg um and we, we kind of split it depending on the beer um, so we, we had some beers that were cask only, like the English Pale, whereas beers like Level Up and American Red, we did, we did both. Um, so, but we, we have always done cask and keg. Um, it, I mean, locally, um, I mean, this was four years ago, four and a half, blimey, uh, May 2016, when we released our first beers. And um, you know, the local market, that you know, it is fairly tied up um, in our part of the world. Lots of Green King and, and Fuller's and things like that, mm. uh, as well as the Star, the Enterprise, uh, Pub coast, um, but we do have, um, you know, Reading uh, has got a good beer scene, um, and even back then, uh, you know, four or five really, really good um, pubs, uh, free of type pubs that uh, that stocked us. And Wokenham, which is nearer uh, to the brewery, is much more challenging. In, in fact, um, we, we've never really sold too much beer into Wokenham. Um, there's a place called Sit and Sip. Uh, which takes our keg and small pack stock and, and a, a, a little deli shop that just opened that, that takes stock as well. But yeah, Wokenham as our kind of hometown, as it were, is, is is a tougher market for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's We sort of find this a little bit, I mean, where we are in Warwickshire, um, a lot of the smaller breweries sort of struggle to get into because there's pub co's and, uh, and all sorts of stuff like that, that it's a little bit tricky for them to kind of uh, get into local pubs and, and bizarrely they've ended up actually shifting more stuff um, through Ebria to other parts of the country that are, should we say, a bit more enlightened on on sort of hoppier beer and key kegs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I think um, when we first started, I mean, like a lot of people had followed that that story and that journey and we, and we had, um, we were quite fortunate in that we had some demand from further afield from day one. Uh, and we've managed to kind of, um, you know, trade off the back of that in our first year, and, and a lot of you know stuff going out to wholesale and getting further afield, which was which was, you know, really welcome and, and helped us, um, you know, get a beer out from day one and, and be busy uh, production wise from day one. And did you small pack from day one, or when did you start small pack? Yeah, we did. So we bottled. Um, in fact, the first brew of Lord Nelson at ours was Guile Four, and that was the first beer we bottled. Um, so yeah, from, from the outset, basically, uh, what we found though was, um, and this is a, 
you know, it was a sign of the times. I mean, in, in our first year, we sold loads and loads of bottles. And then the can thing happened. Um, and we really struggled. Uh, so we didn't really have too many outlets locally for the small pack. We've got a couple of bottle shops that are, are great supporters of us. Um, shout out to the Grumpy Goat in Reading, just opened a second or moved to a bigger site that opened this weekend. Um, but, you know, we didn't have too much demand for our bottles, you know, once the can thing happened. Uh, and a lot, a lot of brewers found the same. And, and um, it was only this year uh, during lockdown that we started canning, actually. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's cool. Um, right, so um, I've kind of finished my uh, Lord Nelson because it was just very, very drinkable. Um, um, yeah, definite thumbs up for me. Definitely will drink again. Um, it's it's definitely ticking the boxes uh, style wise for me. And uh, yeah, I get with the the kind of the pepperiness sort of uh, thing in there as well with the, with the hot balance is is just spot on. Um, what's your take, Rob? Is yours all gone? Oh, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's delicious. It's it's a beer that I do always look forward to it coming out. So uh, when when, yeah. when when I do see on social media, there's definitely some excitement going on to get hold of some of that. And I, and I'm doing that thing again where I'm like, why are we sharing this? Why haven't we got a bottle each? <laughs> what? <laughs> I know we're sharing. Honestly, it's that's because just... Rob's got the other bottle. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, it's all your fault, Rob. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So I think I think what we should do now is um, move on to uh, that divisive uh, style of beer, um, Carven Yams Pumpkin Coffee Porter. Um, Andy, tell us why, when there's such a derided style amongst some people, that you brew in a pumpkin beer. Do you love pumpkin beer? <laughs> Yeah, I, I love you know I love drinking them. There's a um, this beer is actually inspired by um, a trip to the US. We went to Seattle and went to the Elysian Brew Pub. Uh, Elysian were, were since acquired by um, one of the multinationals, uh, but um, back then they had a kind of cool little brew pub in Seattle and a larger production site. Um, we went to the brew pub and it was um, you know around about this time of year, kind of October, and it had loads of. Um, I want to say there's many six of pumpkin beers on that they brewed in-house and one of them was called Pumpuccino and it was a, a coffee pumpkin porter and I loved it and I sat there and drank like three or four pints of this and uh, brought some bottles home and you know really enjoyed it and uh, uh, I've always we ended up um, I ended up pilot brewing it a couple of years ago um, maybe four years ago it was in our first year I think we did an event at the Craven Arms in Birmingham um, and uh, we needed an extra beer to fill their pumps. And I thought, well, let's just brew this. As the event was on Halloween, um, let's okay. just let's pilot brew it. And, and I went for it and uh, really liked it. So this year I thought, you know, now we've got the ability to can on site and um, do kind of smaller runs. We'll, we'll take a punt on it and have a go. And, and uh, it was super popular as well this year. As much as people like to, uh, you know, it's, it's fair to say it's much derided as a um, not really a star because pumpkin covers a range of styles, but as an ingredient, it's derided. And, and uh, um, it, you know, I, I could have probably brewed two or three times and, and, and sold it through, but um, yeah, it was very popular. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, derided, you know, in the same way as kind of like corduroy flares are, isn't it? Really, it's it's um, it's like that, and I think that's kind of unfair. And the only examples I can remember drinking over the last three, four, five years, I guess, was uh, Beavertown Stingy Jack which wasn't a porter from what I remember, but it had all the spiciness in mm. there. 
And um, the other one was Brewdog did one, didn't they? And I can't remember what that was called now. Um, but, yes. So, yeah, they did do one. Um, there's been a few Brewdog on these shorts um, down the years, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's seemed to be, uh, yeah, people like to criticise them and rather than live and let live, which I'm an advocate of, if you don't enjoy it, don't say anything. It's fine. Yeah. Let, others, let others enjoy it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I was pleased that we read it. I'm definitely going to it again next year in a few tweaks. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's here to stay. It's, it's uh, Carvin Young's. Yeah. So, which obviously the name as well is is a sort of um, a tip towards uh, the Craven Arms then, obviously, yeah? Um, exactly, yes. And yeah. Uh, as a Wolves fan, a bit of a uh, yam yam tongue in cheek there as well. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, Rob. Calm down. I'm set up now. Um, <laughs> yes, there was that. Like, that uh, the original artwork... Um, because it was just a cask, one one cask and a keg, with kind of a photo of the car, of the Craven Arms with pumpkins in the window that we put in there. Um, this year we went down the kind of pixel artwork route, uh, more in line with that brand. But uh, yes, it was uh, definitely named after the, the Craven Arms. Yeah, cool. So in terms of what what are we what are we thinking about the the beer? Um, to me, initially, the the coffee is quite definitely dominant. Coffee. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah. But then as you kind of get into it a bit more, you pick up on the spicing, which I feel is quite subtle. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. And I think um, I'd, I'd want to push that on a little bit if we when we rebrew it next year. Um, because I think as a, ba- as a base, uh, as a base, it's a sweet coffee porter. There's no lactose in it. Um, it is vegan uh, friendly, but uh, it's quite a, a sweet porter. We use some maltodextrin to boost the sweetness a bit. Uh, and we should keep away from the roast malts um so it's not particularly roasty and that gives a nice base for the coffee um to come through and the coffee's all kind of cold side additions of whole beans um yeah and the spices you know um went in the kettle um but um yeah the spicing is quite delicate and subtle and also yeah. we, we found out the, the pumpkin um which you could really taste that during fermentation but it kind of fermented it away but it did give kind of a carroty vibe to it a bit like sweet potato or carrot um yeah in a way. and uh that kind of dropped away but you can still pick that up a little bit i think um yeah it, it's it, it's subtle there's like um there's certainly some cinnamon going on maybe a bit of nutmeg ginger del delicate ginger yeah. it's all it's all so we, quite gentle. We used a spice, yeah. a spice blend that did contain all of those things. So well done, Rob. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and a little bit of uh, a <laughs> little bit of clove as well. Oh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's what you're saying about like sweet potato and stuff. Obviously, uh, another sort of uh, fruit like that, of course, is yams, which um, <laughs> it's all the same same family, isn't it? I don't know. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's. Um, it's definitely uh, something that I would uh, come back to, uh, despite the um, the naysayers. Mm. And um, yeah, um, it's great news oh. to hear that. Yeah, we'll get another another brew next year. Um, is this only been produced in a small pack this year? No, we did do uh, uh, some cask and keg as well, um, which were mostly uh, on in local venues. Um, for Halloween, uh, so uh, all the Halloween was the week of lockdown, week before lockdown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the so, last uh, last weekend, it were open at the uh, at the tap room, and that was when uh, our great leader announced the, the second lockdown that day. Um, 
but so yeah, we did a little bit. Were, the cans were about half of the batch, I think. Um, yeah, Wes was uh, was in a in large. I'm, I imagine this would be superb on cask. Actually, I think that would uh, be a great format for it. Um, so uh, hopefully next year. So if there's a reboot, then I'll be seeking it out a cask of this, uh, not for personal consumption. I mean, just to find a pub that serves <laughs> it on cask. Um, yeah, I think I, I would agree. I think the original. Uh, I mean, uh, Chris Sherrett, who was the landlord at the uh, Craven Arms, was a he's an excellent cellarman, and, and I remember the cask being just superb at that first event and. Um, nice kind of creamy head on it and uh when we had it at the tap room this year i did uh, rack a cask up when we had it on cask um because yeah i thought that was the, the you know the, the ideal serving method for it yeah was it a sparkler or no sparkler uh just gravity we don't have any beer engines at the tap room we normally ah, do keg right. engines, though uh, yeah that's so we, we can't you that can't even have argument nicely <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah oh in terms of the the pumpkins themselves were you hacking apart pumpkins to to put into this or or was it the tinned root yeah we used tin puree uh it was just a lot easier to process we've, we've done um it, it's i mean pumpkin is a is a pain to work with you have a carved one it's kind of rock hard and you probably end up having to roast it uh, and then blend it and um yeah we took the easy way out and just bought a, a case of the tins uh and uh, got to work on those yeah, yeah, cool. Excellent. Um, right, so whilst we settle in with this beer, oh, yeah, I've got a bit of a personal question here regarding a specific beer that I tried that I don't know whether or not it's a, it's a permanent one or not. I was going through my untapped and looking at elusive beers that I'd had, and one that I was blown away by, I think, last summer was Akuma, American Brown Ale. Mm. Um, had that at a great little bar in Banbury called the Apothecary Tap, and I was super impressed with that because it was quite, from what my notes said, was quite a, a well-hopped brown ale. Um, any plans to rebrew that at all? I'd, uh, I would love to. In fact, we just um, brewed a, another American brown uh, with Nomadic in Leeds. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a, a collaboration with Beatniks Republic. And they came down for uh, Craft Theory Festival in Reading. Um, and uh, basically, we, we had a range of call uh, to do a collab. Um, and, uh, you know, he was like, I want to bring American Brown. And he, he really loves the Zacco hops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I picked the other hop, which was Columbus. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was Columbus and a Zacco, uh, super hoppy um, American Brown, which uh, is a style I really love. Um, I'd like to see more of. And um, when, when I brew, brewing up at Nomadic recently, uh, we kind of settled on that. And... Uh, went down the same route with it. So I'm looking forward to tasting that. Oh, cool. I'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah, definitely. As do I, definitely. Yeah, I was, well, when I was in Cottridge yesterday, I was looking out for kind of um, American kind of brown ale style beers. I found one from Pressure Drop that I didn't know had been um, released. So I grabbed a couple of those and uh, I found another one from Anarchy up in the Northeast. So they're, they're kind of about, oh, and I think Alpha Delta have done one as well. So they're kind of a little niche kind of thing really, but I'm, I'm kind of hoping that 2021 will be the year of the brown ale. Um, <laughs> I'm probably going to campaign on Twitter. We'll get on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, we've got our black IPAs back to a degree. Um, yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's the next campaign. Um, so 
in terms of we've we've kind of uh, sort of talked about this a little bit so far, but the the artwork is obviously inspired by eight uh, bit computer games on your packaging and stuff. Um, where where does that come from? The avid gamer back in the day. Yeah, definitely, and uh, a bit of a computer nerd as well. Uh, a lot of them are um, named after BBC Micro Games. Shows how old I am. Um, I remember so, them at school. Yeah, in the, in the, in the early eighties, that would be. Um, no and clue. Very much program, program, programming in, in BBC Basic and learning, and I kind of got into computers at uh, NIT in a big way. And um, when uh, we did that first, our first ever brew was at Weird Beers. Um, and uh, Greg uh, there said, well, you need to come up with a brewery name and you need to come up with a logo because we need to put it on the bottle. And um, we came up with Elusive Brewing quite easily as a name um, because that was related to my gamer tag. Um, right, there. right. And Tabamatu, my Twitter handle, is Estonian for Elusive. A uh, little factoid. Ah, right. And, um, uh. and we had a... a yeah, so came up with a name. And, and a friend of mine, uh, Kerry, is a graphic designer and he wanted to help with the branding um, just to flex his muscles a little bit uh, and uh, he came up with the logo and he, he asked me what, you know, what are you into what do you want to where do you want to take the brand I said well you know kind of like 8-bit and all computer games he's like right leave it with me and came up with the logo and it kind of went from there and he did the branding for our first few beers um, Lord Nelson being one of them as he drew the, the character there and we kind of ran with the branding ever since so these days um, my wife Jane does a lot of the pixel artwork um, that you see and we uh, we tend to license images in, or we'll have them drawn for us. A bit of a mix of, of approaches. So, with the carbon yams can, um, we've got kind of a, a, a spooky wood, um, the, an image that we licensed, um, and then we've got some bits we drew that we laid on top of there, like the bats and the pumpkin and things like that. So, yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. And I was really, um, I think that design's one of the favourites we've done actually for that particular bit. And I think it really uh, helped it sell, you know, a beer that pops like that on the can. Um, it, you know, you need to stand out these days amidst a sea of cans on a shelf. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that would make a great T-shirt, actually, with the big, big pumpkin face on the front of it <laughs> on a black T-shirt. I think that would be... Yeah, we'll uh, do some next year. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Do you join the pumpkin club? But like you said as well, also... <laughs> and then you can be shouted at in the street. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also really distinctive. I suppose that's it. It's, it's really good from like pump clips and, and all that sort of thing. So when you're doing cask and keg and stuff. So definitely in when you, like you said, when you've got a fridge full of um, cans and bottles, you need something that stands out. Because so often these days I'm like... I, I find it difficult to tell who the brewery is. I find it difficult to tell what the name of the beer is. I find it difficult to know what style it is. Do you, you just know, need a better all... prescription of your glasses. <laughs> 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 I think, um, and weirdly, like it's 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 what we're known for. It's quite distinctive, and um, we get people that defend our brand for us. Even like people, I've been tagged on Twitter where somebody's done like a pixel artwork thing. Like, oh, it looks like a lucid brew. It's <laughs> like people have defended uh, it for. So, uh, so, so um, definitely, we're known for it. So that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's brilliant because it looks like nothing else on the shelves really. So that's that's great. Yeah. So for um, you, Rob, because you did you what you know being a youngster, what did you think of the uh, <laughs> this whole BBC uh, microcomputers and stuff? Did you? It's the first I'm hearing of it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, this is what I, well, I was kind of ZX80. Well, you, Spectrum, you, but... yeah, you, you mentioned the early eighties, and I I don't know what that is. I was born in nineteen ninety, so. <laughs> 
Yeah. You have to Google it later, Rob, and have a look. Yeah. yeah. We'll do. We'll do. So, so that's it. So from your point of view, when you first saw those that um, artwork and stuff, what did what were your first impressions then? Did, obviously, you haven't got the nostalgia like us oldies, but... Um, well, I don't know. It kind of looked kind of Super Mario-y to me. But uh, like, I think the first elusive beer I would have had was one of the, the, the level ups. So I was more excited about the, the style, the, the red oak. <laughs> I think that probably would have been a, a cherry red syndrome, I reckon. So, yeah, but I, also I've, I've never been a gamer either because I, I learned by the age of about eight that I'm terrible at any kind of computer game. <laughs> so uh, definitely I was more interested in, in, in the beer than the branding, I'm afraid. <laughs> cool. Um, I was just doing some market research for you there, Andy. I'm like, you know, how your, you know, how you, how it comes uh, across with the younger uh, generation. Um, <laughs> well, I don't. I'm not your average thirty-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> it's at the tap room. We've got so uh, well, we're closed at the moment, of course. But we did have um, like retro gaming consoles, and it was pretty cool watching, you know, mums and dads coming with their young kids and sitting them in front of like a. A Mega Drive and, and uh, <laughs> playing some old games and um, so the graphics are crap on this then. <laughs> yeah, it shows how far things have come, doesn't it? Really, I mean, we've still got we've still got our Super Nintendo. I mean, not a Nintendo, a Super Nintendo. But I, I bought that because uh, it had Mario Kart on it, and I was just addicted to playing Mario Kart. So uh, yeah, still got it. I'm hoping it will go up in value. You know, like a good vintage vintage ale, um, but probably not. Um, so yeah, um, now in terms of obviously you've got a mixture of we was talking about small pack earlier, but um, obviously the carbon yams is in a can. Um, that's contract canned, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, so that was actually on our own canning line, and that was the first one. Uh, oh, cool! Right. Our own canning line. So we've got a little two-head manual canning line that we bought from Three Hillsbury, which is up near you. Mm. Uh, and um, yeah, that that that. Beer was the first one we, we canned ourselves. The uh, Oregon Trail, which we'll try next, was uh, contract canned um, during lockdown because we we needed to produce more small pack than we could feasibly do on our little manual bottle filler. Um, and we went down the canning route. It was a good opportunity to do that. So that was canned off-site. Yeah. Okay, cool. So in terms of the, the canning line that you got from Three Hills, um, have you been happy with the results so far did you have to dial it in a bit did you do trial batches and stuff like that um we i'm happy with the results yes um we had a little bit of coaching from three hills uh on uh, who of course brew you know lots of new england style very hoppy beers and big stouts and you know kind of a range of things and, and their new england stuff especially would be obviously prone to uh, dissolved oxygen causing problems and they, they kind of refined the process on this canon line and shared that knowledge with us so uh, we kind of jumped straight in really it was a case of doing a fairly small run on our first one i think we did about 700 cans of carbon yams um and we've since been kind of ramping things up a little bit and, and started with the dark beer of course uh, and then a lager and then a uh, the coffee porter and so on um and now we're starting to do hobby beers on it now we've got more confidence of, of the in the process yeah, it must be a real kind of, um, I, I guess it gives you sort of confidence that because you've got it in-house, you're not in these uncertain times at the moment relying on a contract canner that I guess would maybe give you a date and then maybe if they can't make that date, you know, to have everything in-house, I guess, gives you that sort of stability. 
Yes, it does. And it means we can uh, flex on the amount we package, which is important to us because um, when we're canning, when we're doing the contract canning, um, we're canning a thousand litres at a time. And during lockdown, that wasn't too much of a pump. Um, but during normal times, I'd rather have a wider range um, of products, but less of them, if that makes sense, mm. rather than yeah. big on, on a couple of beers. So we, we are still, in fact, we Oregon Trail uh, is being contract canned this week um, awesome. because we, we've had some uh, high demand for that beer and um, the, the amount we wanted to package um, ahead of Christmas was kind of a bit beyond what we could do reasonably on our little line and plus cans are uh, short in short supply. So um, we thought we, we'll, we'll go down the contract route. It guarantees the, the, the cans will be filled and they've got the empty cans and also um, it will be consistent with the batch that you're about to try um, because we didn't really want to change things too much with that. So, um, yeah, it's, so we are doing a little bit of contract heading. Yeah, cool. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, I'm getting to the end of my carbon yams and um, it's definitely, I think also as it's probably warming up a tad now is is kind of opening up a little bit and um, getting a bit more of the spices on it now because we, we drank this pretty much straight from the fridge. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 still really. For me, it's like it's very dominant coffee, but not in a bad bad way at all. But yeah, as you say, as it warms up, that the coffee kind of disappears a little bit, and the other stuff comes out a little bit more. But it's changing the mix. Yeah, as you drink. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's the classic, isn't it? When do you uh, when do you rate your beer on untapped? It's like first couple <laughs> of sips, or wait until you've had a few, and then. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good question. <laughs> That kind of beer works well at kind of cellar temperature rather than being cold out the fridge. So I think yeah. that's um, why it would be, you know, it's particularly kind of expressive on cast because those flavours come through before. Um, so, yeah, I would, uh, I think it's, you know, a beer that you'd want to let warm up a little bit. Hmm. Is it still the same for you, Rob, or is it... Uh, or is your glass it? empty? <laughs> yeah, my glass is empty, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's really good for me. And it's like, say, some of the pumpkin beers may be a, a bit too sweet for me, but that was kind of spot on, really. Like, as Vicky said, lots of the um, the coffee carrots are coming through and then just uh, nicely complemented by the, the spices. And to be honest, I don't know if I've ever even eaten any pumpkin, so I, I don't know what I'm looking for in terms of the pumpkin taste, but it was nice anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right actually i'm just trying to think about you eating a pumpkin. yeah i mean i guess over here pumpkin pie isn't really a big thing is it I mean, oh i have had that i have had that once yeah it was obviously that was it dates though no 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 it's like some thanksgiving thing put on somewhere in britain but it can't have been that memorable because i can't remember the pie so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go um right i think um as we're getting uh, out of beer now it's time to um get these glasses uh rinsed out and uh and go and grab the uh, grab the ipa the out one. of the fridge so we'll take a little break and uh just give us two minutes to go and get the other beer okay so we've got another beer in the glass now and this is uh oregon trail west coast ipa 5.8 percent let's get our noses into this one Oh yes, <laughs> it's. I've, I kind of missed this style. Um, I think oh, there's yeah. a few people have kind of brewed it this year. This these kind of style of beers, but 
uh, it just kind of takes you back about five or six years, doesn't it? Yeah. It's so like never mind all these trendy new hops. They're just like you just want the OG bad boys, the Simcoe, Chinook, Columbus. Oh yeah. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I love this beer. I think I've had about four or five of these. I, You know, it's one of these things in the modern kind of beer sort of world, I guess, where it is very much like you try something, then you try something different. And I think repeat drinking, if especially in a, in a home environment where you're ordering some cans up these days at the moment, you kind of just go, yeah, I've had that. I'll try this. I'll try this. And because the variety is so wide at the moment, you don't tend to go back to stuff unless it's really, really good. And you're just like, no, mm. I have to have that. And yeah, I've bought uh, several, several cans of this. So, so Andy, what's, what's the kind of the, this beer was new this year, wasn't it? But is there a kind of uh, a kind of history of this? Was, was there a kind of predecessor or has it come about? Yeah. So actually it was, um, it was new in can this year, but we had released it. Uh, last year initially just as a we did a collaboration with um, a micropub called the West Street Alehouse in Fairham and they got in touch about doing a collab to launch a, a beer club they were doing and wanted to brew West Coast IPA so I went back to um, what was my first ever all grain recipe actually um, which was a clone of Green Flash's West Coast IPA which is an old favourite of mine and um, you know, I kind of started with that as a base for this beer so obviously, yeah, this this was kind of brewed in the summer, yeah, and um, this this is coming back again, then, yeah, you say, Andy? Yeah, so we just um, sent it off for canning. So uh, yeah, this week coming, um, well, first week of December, as as it will be, uh, we'll have this back on the web shop and back out to distribution and and uh, be available hopefully in some your local bottle shops as well. So yeah, it's um, it's coming back. It was super. It surprised me at the time. Um, it was the um, part of the second set of beers we can, we can this one and Anomalous Materials, which was a New England uh, pale that we'd brewed with Violet Forest. Um, and this, uh, the success of Oregon Trail, you know, kind of caught me out. It was, uh, a lot of people were just looking for that uh, West Coast hit. I mean, it's a super bitter beer. As Rob alluded to uh, at the start there, it's all the old school hops. Um, it's Chinook and Citra in the kettle and then dry hop with Columbus, Simcoe, and a smidgen mosaic. Um, so, yeah, all the stuff that was mosaic aside was around, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, when I first got into beer, as I say, that Green Flash beer was a, a real standout for me. Um, and I remember it being, um, you know, it wasn't pale. It was, you know, like a deep golden colour. Um, and I wanted to kind of replicate that in, in the grist with this one to use some crystal water, a bit of caramel, which gives it that very slight kind of toffee, sweet toffee backbone, which means you can load the hops in, uh, ramp the bitterness up and it balances out. So um, it, it's very much brewed in the old school West Coast style. Um, and these days, even the brewers on the West Coast um, tend towards the, you know, the more pale, uh, even green flash tweaked West Coast IPA. Um, and they, they since went back, they learned their lesson. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and, and for a while it was super pale, uh, and they, they took it back to this kind of, you know, golden crystal carrot uh, vibe. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it seems to strike a chord with a lot of people wanting that nostalgic hit of, uh, of old school bitterness and, and, and complete clarity in the glass and, um, really bright, uh, hop flavors. For me, it's like my favourite beer in the world is Odell IPA. And um, 
this uh, Oregon Trail, like when that came along, that I, I was like really just jonesing to get back to Fort Collins and drink Odell IPA again. <laughs> and then and then that came was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I need. There's just that the, the balance between the, the, the just the malt backbone and then all of the the, the original bad boy hops in there. That's just like. I felt like you delved into my dreams. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you got into all these people's heads and you didn't realise it and, uh, yeah, sucked out all the what they needed and uh, wanted. That's and, market yeah. research for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, no, I think I think that's what appeals to me, really, is, is the kind of robust kind of malt backbone to this with that hint of sweetness there. So it's just got that total balance you know of of the sweetness and the and the extreme bitterness as well it's that's what it yeah ticks so drinkable so drinkable yeah yeah definitely so so the the batch that's coming out is that absolutely the same or was there any tweaks on that at all no it's the same uh i didn't feel i wanted to change it too much at all we, we've uh i did um one very, very small change, so I lied to you, uh, is we, we pushed the dry hop a little bit further um, because um, it, it's a bit of a technical, um, I don't know how deep you want to get into it, but around the runway we're doing the packaging, uh, we, we fill uh, this thing called Narlington, which is like a giant bagging box, a, a big cube, uh, and then it goes off and they, they take it into the tank and carbonate it. Um, and as part of that, they scrub away uh, any dissolved oxygen um, process is called scrubbing, so they bubble CO2 through it um, to remove the oxygen so you get a stable product in pack. Um, that, that scrubbing uh, does pull the aroma down slightly, so I wanted to try and compensate for that. Um, so we've pushed the dry hop up a little more, um, but it should be, you know, the recipe itself uh, was the same, you know, still got that same more backbone, uh, the same hops, um, just with slightly higher dry hop quantity. Excellent, excellent. That's that's what we that's what we need to hear. So the same, but potentially even better. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's more just trying to compensate for the packaging process based on what yeah. we learned from packaging that first batch and trying to get that beer as close to, as possible as, as when we're drinking it from tank, which is where we're super happy with it. So the, the, the ideal then is for everybody to just drink it from tank when the... Everyone <laughs> <laughs> come around, room. let's do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, Rob, you were going to mention about um, styles and stuff. So, Andy, obviously we've already discussed um, certainly your love of the Black IPA and your campaign to, to, to bring that back. Um, and, of course, even sort of your level up beers, the, the red red aisles and of course the beer we just tried the pumpkin oil so what's your thought process behind the beers that you do choose because obviously you're a commercial brewery you've got to please people as well but and and as you said earlier you brew mainly sort of pale aisles but you are definitely pleasing some of us uh, slightly more niche beer style fans yeah i think um we have to look at uh, i mean we we brew six to eight brews per month, roughly. Um, and I would say uh, about half of those um, are pale ales. The rest are kind of a mix of things. And we've got a, a set of um, what I call our core range, our occasional beers, like Spellbinder Coffee Porter, Shadow of the Beast Black IPA, that we'll kind of do in rotation. Uh, level up, although it's a core beer, it doesn't sell as well as uh, like Overdrive, our pale ale and, and, um, and our hazy pale. So we have to kind of balance things out a little bit so we tend to have um one or two 
non-payables available at any point and it's kind of driven by that so we'll look at what we've got in stock and the orders we've got coming up and things like that um and and kind of work it out from there so um it gives us the freedom to brew what we want to brew um without kind of having a completely wacky portfolio of beers um that would maybe would would cause things to, to slow down a little bit commercially so it's a bit of a balancing act really well i think um you know the bulk, the bulk, or certainly half or slightly over half, it is pales, and the rest we just kind of have a rotating view of the world. Um, obviously, Oregon Trail is a pale, but um, I think the West Coast has uh, has seen a bit of a resurgence, or the demand for it has been been great this year. So yeah. that's been good. But beers like Lord Nelson, as much as I love it and I love drinking it, it, it doesn't sell. Mm. So you know, we brew that. We were, we were brewing it annually, um, hence the year on the bottle. Um, but this year we've we've because we've um establish a direct sales market you know fans of that beer have been able to get it from us whereas uh, we weren't seeing people picking it up in trade so um we we've done two brews of it this year but i could never sell more than that of this beer so you know, we have to kind of uh take a, a pragmatic view to that you know commercially it's the commercial realism of, of brewing i guess and um, trying to shift enough beer to, to be viable cool and and just actually on that note, because obviously just looking down here, I can see now. Obviously, we've got two cans and and obviously the Lord Nelson's in a bottle. Is that because that was brewed before you got the can in line, or is it is it a better style suited to bottle rather than can? Or yeah, that's a good question because I would love to can Lord Nelson, but the yeast is a pain in the bum, um, and uh, it it just doesn't stop. Um, it's a it's a we use Bell Saison and, and uh, the manufacturer um, found out there's actually a diastaticus strain. So it's it's um, slightly wild. Um, and diastaticus, um, you may remember some uh, quite high profile recalls um, that was to do with diastaticus. And effectively, it's a, um, where something is getting into the yeast. Um, it's, non, it's a non-sac strain of yeast. Um, and effectively, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it causes over-attenuation. So you package the beer, and that diastasticus will just keep eating and eating and eating and eating, and then eventually cans explode and uh, things like that, and uh, it all gets a bit messy. So if you wanted to can this beer, you probably have to um, uh, pasteurize it or do something to kill the yeast. And because we're conditioning in pack or conditioning in bottle, um, it made sense to just keep bottling this beer. So if we can get to the point where we're forced carbonating um, Lord Nelson, we can maybe uh, add something to kill the yeast and then we can can it in, in a stable way. But for now, uh, we're sticking to bottle with this beer because we just don't trust that yeast to not... Um, to go rogue. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it's almost got a bit of a double whammy against it because it's a style that... It, it's quite a niche style amongst the niche beer styles anyway, you know, the, the, the beer nerds. Um, and then you're putting it in bottle, which, as you said, the bottle versus the can argument. Everybody wants to go for cans these days. And, you know, so it, it's almost got it, everything stacked against it in a way. Yeah, but <laughs> And um, this year, uh, yeah, I was pleased to be able to shift a few bottles of it because we had them directly on our website and I didn't need to twist people in the trades arm to stuck it um, <laughs> <laughs> or just set it from the tap room uh, yeah it's, it's we've got a bit more out there but I, I will solve that problem technically we will we'll, we'll get it into can um but yeah for now it's uh, it's remained a bottled beer and we've got um enough stock at the tap room to see us through to christmas so we'll look at that in the new year and see what we can do to get it into can 
Cool. Yeah. Talking of the tap room, um, tell us about the tap room. How long has it been open? I mean, obviously, current situation, open, close, open, close in this kind of hokey-cokey lockdown scenario that we're in. Um, but has how how's what's the what's the history of the tap room? Has that been open for as long as you've been brewing? No, it hasn't. So we, I mean, as I said earlier, we started in 2016 in May. Uh, we basically took a second unit on last year, so 2019, around about uh, springtime, um, and we opened the tap room in November um, of last year. So it was only open for four months before the first lockdown, and we haven't reopened it since. So we, we've um, in, at least in that form. So uh, through the summer when lockdown ended and pubs are allowed to reopen, uh, we. Uh, moved to an outdoor seating arrangement um, and during lockdown the tap room became a, a packaging storage warehouse full of boxes and, and all kinds of stuff mm. to, to facilitate your online shop so um, yeah we haven't quite returned to that but it was um, the idea behind it is uh, it's kind of a retro gaming arcade come tap room uh, it's quite cozy it's quite small it's a, the unit is six meters by ten and half of that is their cold store anyway uh, so um, yeah it's pretty cozy when you had like three bench style tables in there and some stools um, at the bar and, and a bourbon barrel on this end with some seats on it but uh, it was um, quite small and cozy and, and in fact um, before this second lockdown we, we, so we moved to outdoor and we started to get a little bit of traction with it so during lockdown, we grew some, we worked really hard to grow our local customer base. Um, you know, even now I'm putting leaflets through doors and, you know, doing that direct push. Um, and we've, we've grown the the trade in the tap room. And I'd, I'd like to, um, the unit next door to us is look like it's coming free. And I'd like to uh, get an option on that if I can, and maybe look at um, taking the tap room idea and pushing it forward a bit further, making it bigger, and really going down that dream of uh, the whole thing being inspired by a trip to Barcade in Brooklyn, uh, which is a retro game in arcade uh, and awesome bar, and uh, just wanting to have that, have my own one of them. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, no, I mean that's one of those things that uh, once once you kind of can reopen again or whatever. I, I sense, as Rob has already said, a, a bit of a road trip down to Berkshire kind of happening really um obviously you you've got neighbors across the way in term in the form of siren who are obviously pretty well-known brewery does does that help or hinder your business have they been cool with you being there uh it's a massive massive help uh, i i can't speak highly enough of them and how much they've supported us um from before we started even um, hmm. I, I knew darren anley the owner uh, and ryan Witter was a former head brewer when they started. Um, just by going down and pestering them as a as a beer fan, um, and uh, Darren got. In, I used to do a right little beer blog, and Darren got in touch before he opened Siren, going, "Hey, we're launching this brewery. Do you want to come and have a look?" Because I've written up some local breweries, and um, yeah, I've known him ever since. And and when uh, we were looking for premises for Elusive, we weren't looking in Fleetchamstead. We were looking nearer to where I live in Hampshire, Fleet Farnborough but we just couldn't find anything. And when we found something, we got messed around by the landlord. And um, then we lived in Basingstoke and we couldn't get a lease struck. The farm fell through and saw these units in Finchamstead, went and had a look and um, thought, well, we, we can make this work. Uh, so I, I went and saw Darren and said, would you mind if we opened on your doorstep? And he was like, no, no, let's do it. Because, you know, it's that thing of having more than one destination. You know, we uh, anyone that's been will know it's, it's kind of, it's not the easiest place to get to. There's a one bus an hour from Wokenham and um, it's, it's yeah, having that, you know, two things in one place has helped. And we've definitely, when we opened the tap room, um, 
we had trade from from day one because we're you know we're opposite siren uh, their tap room and people have to drive past us to get to, to come out of the yeah. estate we put a sign out we you know open the doors like we're here hello and, and there were people so absolutely have benefited from having them there um and uh i was uh, i did chuckle to myself um when we opened after lockdown we had the very first customer um who said, oh, I didn't know Siren were there. As <laughs> 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 so far as I'm concerned, that's the whole favour returned. That's it. That's yeah. One I was like, you know, we sent to them. Oh, that's nice great. One. That's brilliant. Yeah. I, I was really intrigued what you were interested in, what you were just saying about. So obviously we, we, we joke now, we, we were just joking earlier about when we get into January, first January 2021, are we going to say, oh, 2020 was just a horrible year or are we going to have to carry it on? You know, is is that whole connotation of 2020 was just apocalypse and it was just horrible. But it was really interesting what you were just saying about actually you've put, you're putting flyers through locally now. You're, you're thinking that you could possibly open up another unit. Have you got more... Have you found you've had more local support during all of this than you had before? Because obviously you were saying you struggled to get um, local interest um, in previous years and you've had to go elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely have. And I, I, I think back to, we did, Wokenham is, a, is a, an old market town and um, the market itself had its 800th anniversary um, in, when was that? In last last summer um before all this started anyway and we did we did a <laughs> and we were asked by uh, through camera by the the council the town hall to brew a commemorative beer for it a, a real stretch for us because we came up with this branding that was a uh, based on, a, on an old photo of a keystone that's on the floor outside the town hall and um in the market square very very traditional beer we brewed it was an esb on some oak chips um but we set up they invited us to the, the special anniversary market that they threw for this and, and we, we set up a stall and people hadn't heard of us because we don't have much beer in our own nearest town and and that kind of started that we're opening a tap room soon come and see us and it started that dialogue with, with local people that were you know like we're into their beer but didn't know we were there and because we weren't open to the public at all why would they know we're there um so yeah, that, that kind of started the the whole process of, of developing that local trade, um, and then lockdown, of course, um, pushed that on. And there were people that were they were googling like local. We see it. I can see it in our um, on our website logs. They're googling local brewery. You know, looking, you know, Woken and Brewery, googling things like that, and, and finding us and ordering beer. Um, and then I, I was I was on the local Facebook groups pushing the brewery. Hey, we can deliver beer to you. We do free local delivery Friday let's bring beer to you and that kind of all, all kind of kicked off and um remember the first weekend we did it i finished delivering at 9 p.m i was out all day and i was like this wow. is cool. and then my, my friend ruth um beer fairy on twitter um was furloughed from my job at the time and she was like well i'll come and help you and we had two of us out on the road um her and her little fiesta and me in the van delivering beer and, and that's kind of carried on and um it's been uh you know it's been a, a huge lifeline for us this mm. year local trade and um and it's maybe shown me the potential that there are people that are discovering us and discovering good beer through us hopefully and um that market's there for us to tap into there's a second thing going on locally is that we're next to what used to be Arborfield garrison uh, a big army barracks that's been sold and since demolished and um and basically they're building houses 
and not just some, it's like 3,000. <laughs> wow. wow. And uh, there's a, that's coming right up to the edge of the estate. Uh, and uh, there's, for us, there's that potential to tap into that market. And that's why we're out pushing leaflets through doors as these houses are built, because that, that potential to grow our market is, is, is huge. Yeah, that's great. I saw I saw that you'd um, I saw on Twitter that you about the leaflet drop and all that, and I thought I don't remember seeing any of the brewery kind of doing that thing. It's kind of a little bit old school, but it's absolutely kind of feet on the ground kind of uh, tactics, isn't it? Really, to to get local custom to buy into to the brewery. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, we've had um, for the first couple of weeks of of lockdown, um, you know, my head went down. I sat at home thinking, this is it, you know we're done. You know, the, the, I've got no one to sell beer to, what can I do? Uh, and then, you know, I kind of, you know, came back with a bit of a fight and thought, well, this, you know, I need to just get on my feet literally, uh, and get out there and, and tell people about us and, and really start to, to push that trade. People still want beer. They can't go to pubs. Um, but they want beer. Let's, let's get out there and tell them that we're here and we can provide that for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's been a, a challenging year certainly, but, one that I've learned a hell of a lot about the business and a hell of a lot about our potential market that I was overlooking. And and do you think you've also learned a lot about yourselves in terms of, like you said, initially, as I think we all did, we were all like, what the, and especially businesses like yourselves must have been, oh, well, this is it, this is the end. And then actually you realised quite quickly that your brain's went, no, come on, let's find a solution. Let's find, let's work, you know, what can we do? How can we carry on with this? How can, you know, we didn't put our heads down and just give up. We, you, you, you basically went, right, let's have a rethink. Let's, we've had that little bit of a rental reset, right? Let's. Yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was, a, it was almost, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was a little bit down about the whole thing. Of course, as many people were, small business owners and, and, and everyone, because it was new ground for us. But um, yeah, the minute I found that kind of first positive and that first weekend out, deliver, first Friday out delivering beers and more than I could physically deliver myself, mm. um, you know, that kind of brought that spark back and thought, well, you know, we, we've got we've got the ability to get through this. You know, we just need to adapt as many businesses have, have had to. And, you know, we, then we looked at, you know, the canning that started and what else can we do to get beers further afield? Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a whole process. And, and I think... Um, uh, I, yeah, I've learned a lot about myself um, and a lot about um, the business and its market, its potential market. Um, and I've now got, you know, a very firm vision of where I want to take Elusive and, and a lot of that's driven off the back of this year. So in a way, you could say um, it's been, you know, it's been, been incredibly tough, but it's shown me that there's potential uh, for things to get a lot easier for us in future and, and, um, and to really push and uh, develop into that local market that we've been overlooking. Do you think it's accelerated any of your, if you'd got sort of your five-year vision, say at the beginning of 2020, you'd got your, this is where I want to be in 2025. Do you think this has helped accelerate any of that? I think it has. And uh, I think the, the way it definitely accelerated the move to canning uh, because we what, we'd kind of, we had enough trade to not really worry about small pack. Uh, we were doing a little bit of bottling just for the tap room and a couple of local customers at Stockers. Uh, but that was it. So we, we were kind of, and quite fortuitously, went into lockdown having restocked from Christmas. Um, so January, February, we were doing lots of bottling and, and getting ready to, you know, for the tap room to get busier in springs. So had all this stocks out there ready to go. So that was quite lucky. But yeah, the, the mood is to 
canning is there's definitely I wouldn't have done that if uh, this year hadn't happened. Um, and we took a punt on that secondhand canning line from Three Hills and haven't really looked back. And, and we've seen that demand come back now for a small pack that just wasn't there last year. Nobody was interested in it. Mm, brilliant. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that leads us on really to the sort of the final question in a way, which is plans for the future as obviously things I guess may have changed because of this year, but are there still structures of, of like a list of a tick list of things to do for, for the next sort of 12, 18 months at all? Um, well, when I started Elusive, um, I remember chatting to Jane, my wife, um, you know, what, what are our goals for the business? And, and we know we never want to be big. So we don't have that. Um, I don't have that kind of uh, chain around my neck of uh, having to grow and grow and grow. I don't. I just don't want to do that. So elusive for me, um, you know, I wanted to get to the point where it's three or four employees, um, a really busy, vibrant tap room, uh, and beer in local pubs and um, and further afield, uh, you know. But it's uh, yeah, it's um, I, I guess it's kind of cemented that really. Um, I think you know what we've seen this year with that local custom and 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 more people knowing about us locally. It's it's driving me on to do that to make the tap room bigger and better. And let's just you know let's cement that that's our approach. And, and it's now I'm fully confident we can make that work. Um, so let's if we can go into 2021 um, and we get through this current pandemic situation and everyone's vaccinated or whatever or the the, the virus has gone away, you know. I want to come out of that, you know, and have uh, a much bigger local presence and, and be able to offer more to all those local people that have supported us through this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Excellent. And have a great big party when and when, when we all can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine your tap room in the summer is like you said, with that, if you've managed to get the second unit or even if you haven't, it's like you've got your outdoor space now. And yeah, you can just see it now, we're, can't you? We're just planning the road trip already. Flyer, yeah. Well, I was just thinking, just flying all the local people and just, yeah, yeah that has supported yeah. over the years. And so, yeah. 20 taps yeah. of black IPA. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, right. Just, just a final thing, uh, just as a, a bit of a local catch up kind of thing. Um, we've got a bit of local news here. Um, Coventry, our nearest city, I guess to us anyway. Um, uh, there's a new micro pub opening called hops Damore. Um, they've just got, uh, six hand pulls have been installed and they're getting some, uh, keg lines put on and, uh, yeah, it's going to be Coventry's first micro pub, which for, you know, a fairly big city is, is quite an interesting sort of prospect. So, um, they're on Instagram. So anybody in the local area, uh, keep an eye on that hops Damore. I'll put a link in the show notes to that one. And then the other news, um, some, uh, some great people, Twisted Barrel, um, uh, again in Coventry, um, people may have seen that they had a crowdfunder um, uh, alongside uh, Green Duck for a canning line and uh, they have hit target. They've gone over target actually. Uh, so they're able to afford a few extra little bits and bobs to go with it. And um, so that's, that's going to be something that uh, is now very much going to help their uh, small pack kind of uh, situation. Uh, so I guess we see more of their beers in can and also they, they're going to be able to do like smaller runs of some of the beers that maybe don't sell quite so much uh, and put them into cans now so that's that's another great success locally that will help them out in these um 
uncertain times, as they say. Especially as they're in, well, they're in the same as tier three, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're we're tier three now. Yeah, I mean, you know, we yeah. we 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 skipped tier two altogether. We went tier one straight to tier three now. Um, so where we are, so um, hey ho. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's not there's not a massive amount of news going on as as to be expected at the moment. But um, yeah, it's a couple of good things happening locally there. Um, so final thoughts on the Oregon Trail, Rob. What has 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 uh, it ticked the boxes for you? Is it all good? Yeah, I think I've, I think I said it earlier to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's still tasting just as good as my my first experience of Oregon Trail. It's my Excellent. kind of beer. Yep. I'm um, I'm finding it great as well. I I just like that kind of it's just so well balanced and, and you get the sweetness and you get the bitterness and you get sort of like zesty. There's a kind of zesty kind of almost like lemon peel, candied orange kind of thing going on there. You've got the resinous pine, you just got just everything you want out of it, you know. It's it's it's, it's great. It's a bit um, like you said earlier in terms of how things have changed a little bit and Obviously, you're ordering stuff for at home now, but if uh, this absolute, I don't know, just ridiculous year hadn't happened, that'd be the, this would be the kind of beer that I'd definitely want to go back, have two, three, four pints of. Yeah, yeah this would be, you'd find it on your local and you'd be you'd be going back for more of this rather than, oh, no, I need to try this one next and that one next. And yeah. No, this, yeah, this no, is no, um, this is a session. Yeah, a session or a repeat purchase, or I mean, yeah, when when pubs get open again, it's the kind of place that I would hope somewhere like the Wolf in Brom gets a, a keg of this on, because you could just happily uh, lose lose a whole afternoon and probably the following day uh, just, just, just going going yeah. crazy on this. That would be that would be great. So yeah, you you stick on this, and I'll, I'll they get. Uh, Lord Nelson on, and I'll be yeah, yeah, I'll be happy. You'll be yeah. happy then, yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, yeah, as 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 I'm again, I'm known for not really being a great lover of West Coast. So I think when you first got this in the summer, and you were like, "Oh, this is supposedly is really true to style," and I took one sip of it, and went, "Yep." That's it. <laughs> Just because it's that thing where for me, I'm not a great lover of the style. The extreme bitterness is, yeah. is not your friend. No. So um, we, and when I was talking to Andy earlier about um, untapped reviews. This is where it's like, how how much notice to, as brewers do you take of untapped reviews? Because I'd probably be one of those that would not rate it as highly as some other people, but that's because that's my taste rather and so that's where it gets really interesting doesn't it from a brewery yeah. point of view so uh, you know and you wouldn't know that you'd be like oh why doesn't she like it why what what <laughs> well you need to put a detailed review in oh there, you see i don't do that <laughs> yeah there you go i can't be bothered with putting reviews in as well I, I can't be bothered with untapped <laughs> oh there you go well i'm just i'm just a geek i'm into stats and stuff so I think you're one of the majority, to be honest, Simon. It was like when I do the Brum Bottle Share, I'm the only one there who doesn't do untapped. Well, you're you're the you're the head honcho of the Brum Bottle Share, though, aren't you? So you 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 know you're you're hosting, so you haven't got time for stats. Uh, yeah, but well, that's that's not the reason why. But <laughs> <laughs> right, so. Um, I think there's there's one question here. I don't know whether to ask this or not, actually, Andy. But um, so we talked about your plans for the future and all that. Um, the other aspect is if some big conglomerate uh, comes knocking on your door 
and asks you to sell up for big money, would you sell up or would you stay true to your principles from what you've already outlined? Oh, you know, this is a golden question, isn't it? If somebody yeah. walked in and offered me a couple of million provisions, <laughs> I take it? I think it would be hard pressed to find any brewery owner that wouldn't at the moment, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it'll ever happen. So it's very much hypothetical. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I suppose there'll come a point when I want out of the business anyway, because I want to retire. So, um, you know, I would never ever rule out selling the business. And I think any business owner would rule out selling their business. Mm. Yeah. Um, there you go. That's, uh, that's a nicely sort of sat on the fence kind of uh, <laughs> <Definitely>, yeah. <laughs> answer there. Um, so for, for people uh, listening who, who would like to find you on social media, where, where, where's the, the first protocol for them to find you? Is it on Twitter or where, where to so, look? Yeah, I would say we're most active on Twitter. I'm trying to uh, do a bit more on Instagram and Facebook. I've got a uh, KT who helps us with that um, as a freelancer now. Um, so we do a little bit of more on, on the other platforms but personally i prefer twitter so elusive brew on twitter or my own account tabamatu uh, we're also elusive brew on instagram and slash elusive brew on facebook excellent excellent well thanks ever so much for joining us tonight really appreciate you uh, kind of uh, giving us an insight to these beers much appreciated um and uh, yeah, I've got a tiny bit left to finish off. So uh, I'd like to uh, thank uh, Rob as well for, for joining us tonight. Uh, much appreciated. No and um, And uh, yeah, so thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, please remember to subscribe to the podcast so that new episodes will always appear on your listening devices. Uh, please leave us a review because this really helps us uh, in the ratings and uh, helps people to find us. And uh, yeah, also a little quick plug for i've got a mixed cloud show called pink noise so uh, i'll put a link in the show notes to that uh, rob i've mentioned this before he's got a mixed cloud show called social distancing sounds so uh, i'll put a link to that in the show notes as well and uh, in the meantime you can follow us on the podcast uh, on twitter at beers underscore frontiers and all the usual other socials and uh, in the meantime stay safe and we'll see you on the other side cheers everybody cheers thank cheers. you very much cheers, cheers. 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 cheers.